This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is a series by The Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. At Invest Talk, we talk money matters and all things related to investing. We want to give you that extra edge in managing your hard-earned money. I'm Lee Su Shen. Joining me in the studio is Ven Srinivasan. We are both associate editors and senior columnists at The Straits Times. Hi, Tushen. Earlier this month, in February 2024, banker Wee Cho Yao passed away at the age of 95. His father had founded the predecessor of UOB, but it was Mr. Wee that grew the bank and made UOB what it is today. Together with DBS and OCBC, UOB is now among the top three local banks in Singapore. Prime Minister Lee Hsien Lung described Mr. Wee Cho Yao as a titan of Singapore's banking industry. Mr. Wee stepped down as chairman of UOB in 2013 after some 60 years at the helm, but he stayed on as chairman emeritus and an honorary advisor. In this podcast, we delve more into what impact Mr. Wee Cho Yao had on the banking industry. While his son Yee Chong has been the CEO of UOB for years now, there will undoubtedly be some questions over what next for the bank. Over at DBS, there has always been talk about the succession plans, who will take over from CEO Piyush Gupta. Ven and I discuss what these succession plans could look like and how they will impact the bank. Then we look at the outlook for the banking sector. The three local banks have been strong performers at the stock market as rates moved upwards. However, as interest rates may be cut in 2024, going by what the US Federal Reserve has said, so how will Singapore local banks be affected? So first, let's look at the impact Mr. Wee had on the banking industry. I would say the main impact would be how UOB succeeded in growing from being one of the small banks in Singapore to being one of only three local banks. He did it not just through organic growth as Singapore's economy grew, but also through various savvy acquisitions in the 1970s and 1980s. For example, he had bought Chongqiao Bank, which doubled UOB's size, and subsequently acquired Liwa Bank, followed by Far Eastern Bank and Industrial and Commercial Bank. But of course, his best-known deal is probably when he acquired OUB, which made UOB the largest bank in Singapore at that point upon completion in 2003. Then, what do you see as the impact of Mr. Wee on Singapore's banking sector? Well, Mr. Wee was one of the last generation of bankers born before World War II, who came to dominate Singapore's financial system after the country gained independence from the British in the 1960s. He took over United Chinese Bank, which was co-founded by his father in 1935 in the 1960s. United Chinese Bank catered mainly to the Fujian community in its early years, but the name was changed to UOB in 1965. Soon after taking control, Mr. Wee spearheaded the acquisition of numerous banks across Southeast Asia to form one of the region's largest lenders, according to the bank's own website. His most famous takeover occurred in 2001, when he defeated regional giant DBS Group to buy Singapore's Overseas Union Bank Limited. During his more than six decades as group chairman and CEO, UOB's network expanded from 75 to 500 branches and offices globally, and its assets increased from 2.8 billion to more than 253 billion through the pursuit of disciplined and sustainable growth. 
Besides that, Mr. Wee was also the chairman of the UOL Group Limited, one of Singapore's largest property developers. Notable parts of his property empire also included the Pan Pacific Hotels chain and the SGX Centre in Singapore. He also played a key role in rescuing Hopper Brothers International, the producer of the famous Tiger Balm, the iconic pain relief ointment. When it fell on hard times in early 1970s and the Singapore government intervened to save it in 1975, Mr. V was part of a board formed to put the house in order. He was appointed chairman in 1978 and consolidated the business. It was renamed Hopa Corporation in 1997. Two years ago, Singapore's third largest bank announced it would take over the Southeast Asian banking assets of Citigroup. Today, UOB has a global network of 500 branches and offices across 19 countries in Asia, Pacific, Europe and North America. Yes, when at the time of his passing, uh, Mr. Wee was no longer active at UOB. He was, as you say, Ven, also chairman of the property group UOL. And that's an important point to make too, that he had built up a sizable property business with UOL. That includes his residential property development, as well as various malls and hotels under the Pan Pacific brand. Do you see many implications of his passing for UOB and its operations and strategy? Well, Mr. Wee stepped down as chairman of UOB in 2013, but stayed on as chairman emeritus and an honorary advisor at the bank. But he stepped away from his board role at UOB in 2018. His eldest son, Yi Chong, took over the reins of the bank as CEO and deputy chairman in 2007. I think that with the elder Mr. Wee away from the kitchen for a while and his son running the show, the impact of the former's departure will be minimal. The younger Mr. Wee has done a remarkable job in growing the bank. The acquisition of the Citigroup business I mentioned earlier took place in 2022 and was led by the younger Mr. Wee. It was UOB's most significant takeover in 16 years, and it agreed to pay 4.9 billion Singapore dollars to buy the consumer assets of Citigroup in Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam. Mr. Wee said the move would help accelerate UOB's growth targets by five years. In fact, much of UOB's operations and strategy have been crafted by the younger Mr. Wee and his team of professionals for much of the past decade. More strategic moves can be expected in the years ahead. The elder Mr. Wee may be gone, but the entrepreneurial culture and the strong business traditions he built up at UOB will live on. Agree. Although it marks the passing of an era where the name of Mr. Wee is synonymous with UOB and banking, there may not be that much day-to-day impact on UOB from his passing. Expanding our discussion now beyond UOB, are there succession issues among our local banks? For example, OCBC. It has been run by professional managers for many years now. Well, if you look at UOB, while the bank has had a strong man at the helm for some 60 years, his son had taken over the reins for more than a decade. Meanwhile, the leadership transitions at the other two Singapore banks, OCBC and DBF, has gone through successfully for several decades. So really, there's no reason for concern on the succession front of the three Singapore banks at the moment. 
The younger Mr. Wee at UOB has shown that he is just as capable as his father to carry the show. That said, at 71 years of age, Mr. Wee is no longer a spring chicken. However, he has a very able team of senior vice presidents who are more than capable of helping steer this huge ship. Meanwhile, Miss Helen Wong was appointed Group Chief Executive Officer of OCBC on 15th of April 2021 and Executive Director on 7th of February 2023. She took over from Samuel Sen, who turned 66 at the time. Miss Wong has 40 years of banking experience, first starting out at OCBC as a graduate trainee, then spending 27 years at HSBC. At 62, Miss Wong has earned her spurs and has a relatively long runway ahead. Over at DBS, we have 64-year-old Piyush Gupta, who has been a rock star CEO of the bank since 2009. Prior to joining DBS, Piyush was Citigroup's CEO for Southeast Asia, Australia and New Zealand. In recent years, there has been some speculation that Mr. Piyush is hitting retirement age, but that is all relative at the highest levels of corporate office. If you were to go by Mr. Sien's retirement as a guide, Mr. Gupta has at least two more years to retirement. But then, Mr. Gupta is still younger than the 71-year-old Mr. Wee over at UOB. This suggests that he could be around for at least six to seven years more. Personally, given his track record, I don't see why Mr. Gupta should step away anytime soon. He's done a great job at DBS and his people seem to love him. But even if he steps down, say, in two to three years, there are enough capable people at DBS to see the bank continue to grow. And most of these folks are Singaporeans. Many years ago, we needed foreign talent to run Singapore banks. But today, we have more than enough Singaporeans with global exposure and capability to step up to the plate. Globally, other companies such as the iconic Apple have seen leaders pass on. But these companies went on to thrive because they are more than just about one person but about good institutional practices and corporate culture that continued despite the figurehead passing on. Also, when you talk about the Singapore banks, you must remember we have a strong regulator at MAS that offers comforting backstop in the event of anything going badly wrong at the, any of the banks. True, succession planning and the retention of good talent will be perennial issues for the local banks, although they seem to be faring well. What could be some of the other challenges that the sector is facing? Perhaps in recent years, we could think of some of the challenges as being the fintechs who have disrupted the traditional banking model. They have lower costs as they do not incur costs from having ATMs or having brick-and-mortar premises. Another issue banks have had to contend with are the cyber threats such as the loss of customers' sensitive and personal financial data. This could result in significant financial losses. But interest rates will always remain a paramount concern. Banks have been enjoying income from their large net interest margins as interest rates rose in recent years, with their dominant position in the local market. Ven, what do you think? Well, the general view in the market is that when interest rates come down, net interest margin, that is, the income banks earn in the spread between deposit rates and lending rates will narrow. The three Singapore banks have delivered record earnings during the last two years, thanks largely to the high interest rate environment. But about two months ago, S&P Global Ratings 
said Singapore banks' net interest margins will peak this year at between 2 to 2.2%. In fact, the net interest margins and fee incomes of the banks have already started showing signs of softening since the third quarter of 2023. The upcoming fourth quarter results due over the next few weeks should see this pattern continue. And this trend should continue through this year as central banks like the US Federal Reserve and the ECB start cutting rates sometime this year and interest rate environment starts softening. Meanwhile, the recent sell-down of bank stocks suggests that investors are also not optimistic about the prospects on the interest rates front for the banks. So that's it from us. We have discussed the challenges facing the banking sector, the main one being that of interest rates. We also covered the issue of succession at our three local banks as we mark the passing of a banking great Mr. Wee Cho Yao. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Invest Talk, a series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. I'm Lee Su Shen. And I'm Ven Srinivasan. If you'd like to read our columns, there are links in the podcast show notes. Happy investing. Send your feedback to podcast at sbh.com.sg. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or within our Straits Times app. Thanks for listening. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for general information purposes only and are not intended to be relied upon as financial advice. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services or information of any third parties. All opinions expressed by participants in this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of SPH Media.